Most of our world has been destroyed. Civilization is in a time of great danger. Our survival requires your attention. Our survival requires your labor. Our survival requires your submission. Product must be. The product must be consumed. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. Some folks have a strange idea entertainment. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. The Flash. It should make the computer, uh, crazy. Like those old ladies pinching babies. But it doesn't. Not yet, because I haven't taught the computer to be made crazy by the... Flash. The poetry of the stake. So I'm going to start teaching it now. And in case you uh, don't recognize this voice, yes, I've been gone for a month. I'm sorry. It's Postmortem Paul of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And I'm also going to apologize for the sound quality. I'm doing the best I can with it. But we have a stupid postal strike here in Canada, which has slowed down the process of me getting... Replacement parts for my mixer, so I'm using an old Snowball microphone because I can't push off any more episodes any longer. Uh, November? Definitely not October. October was an amazing month. Everything was awesome. Had a great Halloween, great everything. The whole fucking month was amazing. And then November happened. And let's see, I've been sick twice. Uh, I've had computer problems, I've had technical problems with my mixer, and basically the whole fucking month went by without an episode. So, I'm making sure that no matter what, you get an episode this week, and like I said, I apologize for the sound quality, it's not going to be as good as previous episodes, but hopefully the postal strike doesn't hold my parts away for too long. But anyways, episode 33. Um, yeah, so the opening little, you know, quote that I used or whatever, I probably did it completely wrong, but oh well, whatever. I'm not Jeff Goldblum. But this week's episode is going to focus on the 1986 David Cronenberg classic, The Fly, which was a remake and based off of a short story. I'll get into that later, but... I kind of focus on that because people always say that remakes suck. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. In the last probably 20 years, most remakes have sucked. But there are a few good ones. So this uh, this is up there with the good ones. Uh, The Thing is still probably the best remake ever done. 
a story for another day. So, obviously, a lot of shit has happened since my last episode. Um, something that's not so horror-related, but something that's kind of personal to me, so obviously I wanted to talk about it. I know I'm weeks behind on talking about it, but uh, we did lose Stan Lee, probably one of the greatest all-time comic book creators slash writers slash representatives uh i mean what hadn't he done right when, when you think comic books you think stan lee it's one of the first names that pops into your head if you're a batman fan obviously you think bob kane and bill finger but uh when it comes to just comic books overall it's stan lee and i mean like even though i'm a dc kid myself uh growing up i mean i remember watching spider-man cartoons you know the the old 60s ones i'm talking about you know like that used the same cells every week, week after week, and you didn't care. You just, you watched it, you loved it. It was Spider-Man, and I mean, like, Spider-Man doesn't happen without Stan Lee, right? Um, I also remember growing up with The Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby, and bleh, Bill Bixby. Oh, it's been a while since I've podcasted. Wait, what am I talking about? My tongue always gets tied anyways. But, uh, Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, uh, from the 70s, yes, the... Lou Ferrigno painted in green paint. Uh, we didn't have CGI back in those days. I mean, I remember watching that show. And, I mean, even comic books, like, I mean, because that's what Stan Lee was mainly known for. Uh, I had Spider-Man comic books growing up. I had Incredible Hulk comic books growing up. Those were two of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe. And probably still are. Uh, although, Chris Evans has made me really love Captain America. But anyways, um... Uh, no, I, I, you know, it just, uh, I, I, when I think about, like, Stan Lee, like I said, like, I grew up a DC kid, like, Batman, was, Batman to this day is still, like, my favorite character of all time, but when I think about, like, you know, growing up, like, it was kind of like Batman and Spider-Man, you know, like, there's even, my mom's got pictures of me, like, sitting in, like, a inflatable Spider-Man chair, and, you know, like, I had, like, Incredible Hulk comic books, I, had, I even had some Fantastic Four comic books back in the day. Uh, they uh, no longer are with me, <laughs> damaged, destroyed, bye-bye, but I did have them. I mean, like, you know, that's the thing, like, it, it, it's, it's a big thing. Like, I mean, like, Stan Lee, like, you know, I, and after he passed away, like, I read so much on the internet, like, people's, you know, reactions and whatnot. It's true, you know, like, okay, the next two Marvel films will have the Stan Lee cameos because they were already filmed, but after that, no more Stan Lee cameos, you know? And, like, a point I was, you know, I, I pointed out um, on, like, certain social media accounts and whatnot. Wait wait till the end of the next Marvel film, which I believe is Captain Marvel and then it's Avengers, if I'm correct. And wait till the end of the credits when it says, you know, in loving memory of Stan Lee. That's going to, like, break everybody. Like, everyone's going to be like, fuck, really? Like, so, I don't know. Yeah, it, I didn't, like I said, like, because of everything that's been going on with this podcast, I didn't get a chance to talk about that earlier, and so I wanted to, like, make a point of that, because I want it kind of, like, marked on the podcast, you know what I mean? Um, the other thing that happened, and, uh, this was awesome. This is something that's a little bit more happier. Uh, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, they did their, uh, Dinners of Death special on the American Thanksgiving four films and here in canada we were banned from it we uh 
We weren't allowed to watch it live as it happened. Unless you had a VPN. But anyways, uh, you didn't hear me say that. Yes, you did. But <laughs> um, I did check out two and a half of the four films before I finally tapped out. Only because I had to work the next day. Um, but the first film was probably the... Well, the first two films were definitely the highlight of the, of the special. Uh, first film being Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The second film being The Hills Have Eyes. So, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for those of you who don't know, Joe Bob Briggs, that's his all-time favorite movie ever. And in 30 years of broadcasting, he's never talked about it. He's never done a review of it. He's never, you know, featured it on any of his shows. So, this was a big moment for him. Uh, For a movie that's like 89 minutes long, I think it is, 87 minutes, whatever. Yeah, his special went on for three hours. <laughs> so he had a lot to talk about, and it, it was awesome. There was, uh, not to mention, I, so the beginning of the whole marathon, he goes on a 20-minute rant about the American Thanksgiving and what it actually means and what people are actually celebrating. Uh, 20 minutes of the best television I've ever watched because it was so fucking hilarious the way he tore it apart. Um, but he's not wrong. <laughs> so... Uh, definitely check it out um, in the states. You guys will have it, all four films are there. Um, in Canada, well, we got The Hills Have Eyes, Dead or Alive, and Blood Rage. We don't have Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, like I said, <clears throat> VPN. Um, uh, and The Hills Have Eyes is um, the other one that was actually really fun to watch. He had Michael Berryman uh, join him uh, for a lot of the like um, interlude segments and whatnot. So. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch. Like I said, I uh, did that thing. And I made sure I saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, it, I don't know. It was really good. But like I said, like in Canada, uh, three of the films are featured. Uh, we just don't have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I did find out, by the way. So, Joe Bob Briggs is doing a Christmas special December 21st. Um, I can't remember what they're actually calling it, but... Anyways, apparently, in Canada, it will be available live. So, that's pretty fucking cool. I assume it's probably because the movies he's going to be reviewing uh, are already licensed on the Canadian Shutter. So, I'm thinking it's probably going to be like Silent Night, Deadly Night, Black Christmas, Christmas Evil, which I'm perfectly fine with. Um, I I actually want to hear him talk about all three, so that's that i'm gonna quickly jump into a lurker's recommendation and then we're just going to shoot off into the film i don't want to make this episode too long simply because the sound quality is going to be so shitty that i don't want to kill your eardrums so (laughs) lurker's recommendation is a music recommendation this week um i've actually had uh a certain friend has been introducing me to a lot of music that sort of got past me um without me knowing i i focus a lot on like industrial and goth music and i like listening to like a lot of german shit and, you know italian and australian and whatnot and it's funny because like i seem to forget that north america has a music scene as well <laughs> but anyways um so i knew of this band and i used to listen to them a while ago but i had kind of had gotten out of it and anyways so a friend of mine tells me that the new atreyu cd in our wake is like fucking amazing i'm like all right i'll give it a shot um yeah it's my recommendation of the week it's 
It's been out a while, so, I mean, some of you may have already heard it, whatever, but, uh, I, I fucking love the album. I, between that and Ice Nine Kills, uh, The Silent Scream, I think those are my two favorite albums right now. Uh, fave songs on Atreus In Our Wake, uh, House of Gold, Nothing Will Ever Change, Blind, Deaf, and Dumb, Terrified Superhero, I think I've beaten the shit out of all those songs, more than I should have. Um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, we're gonna have a break, do a trailer, you know the deal, and when we come back, we'll rip through the David Cronenberg remake of the classic film that starred Vincent Price, The Fly. When we come back. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I had them analyzed. But they were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is... I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person, too, when you saw her socially. No! You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? I want to know what's going on. What does the disease want? It wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. It could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. motherfuckers time to do this shit you know i'm not gonna lie i almost forget how to podcast it's been so fucking long Ugh. oh well i really like honestly from the bottom of my heart i'm like sorry that november didn't even have one episode technically i'm supposed to be starting my christmas marathon of episodes right now but because i promised to fly so fucking long ago i gotta do it it's alright, because after this, for the next three weeks, it's going to be Christmas episodes. <laughs> so, uh, Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> um, okay, so, The Fly. The Fly, The Fly, The Fly. I love this fucking movie, I'm going to say that now, so don't expect me to be criticizing it all too much. A few things I might criticize, but not much. Uh, originally released August 15th, 1986. Directed by David Cronenberg. However... This was originally supposed to be a project for Tim Burton. Could you imagine what that would have looked like? Um, he probably would have cast Johnny Depp as 
you know, Seth Brundle, which, holy fuck, um, I love Johnny Depp, don't get me wrong, I think he's a great actor, but, no, um, of course, no, probably, 1986, no, Tim Burton would have had Paul Rubens playing this fucking role, so, no, um, (laughs) it's a Cronenberg film, thank God for that, uh, written by David Cronenberg, and... Charles Edward Pogue. However, okay, he does get on-screen credit for the screenplay, but apparently his script was, like, butchered, beaten, raped, and fucked over, and basically extensively rewritten. Um, But Cronenberg did demand that Pogue still get credit because I guess something about, like, Cronenberg basically says he would have never known how to write the script if Pogue hadn't done the first like edit or whatever like the first draft so but i guess like the original draft and what the script ended up becoming were two completely different things so oh well it is what it is uh produced by Stuart kornfeld and mel brooks (laughs) however mel brooks didn't want anyone to know he was a producer of the film uh more or less because he's such a card uh comedian whatever he uh, was afraid people wouldn't take the movie seriously if they knew he was involved, so he's kind of like an uncredited producer. Um, but, like, that's kind of bullshit, honestly. Like, I, I get it. People are fucking stupid and, you know, criticize shit they shouldn't, but, I mean, still. <laughs> to think, like, The Fly is a Mel Brooks film, like, that's pretty fucking cool. Um, moving on. So the creature effects were by Chris Wallace. Uh, Chris Wallace, um... A lot of people know him because he helped with Gremlins. Um, uh, yeah, he created Gizmo and Stripe, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong on that. But, hey, anyways, whatever. The first name mentioned in the end credits is Chris Wallace Incorporated. Um, as the creator and the designer of the fly, he created the whole Brundle fly and whatnot. And, I mean, fucking awesome. Uh so, and I guess uh, producer Stuart Kornfeld had told Chris Wallace that, you know, he said basically he was going to get an Oscar for this, uh, you know, his creation and whatnot, and uh, he did actually get the Academy Award for Best Makeup. And uh, he said, I don't know, Chris Wallace, he's kind of like a humble guy, whatever, you know, plays things off, uh, says that the only reason why he won it was because he was the first name on the credits, but I mean, still, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys follow Chris Wallace and like the work he's done and whatnot, but he's created some of the best. So, I mean, hey, he got his Academy Award, and I mean, like honestly, for this movie, it's fucking worth it. Um, the movie is based on a short story, The Fly. That I'm gonna butcher this guy's last name as usual, but it was written by George Langalon. That's how I'm pronouncing it. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Ironically, or not, I don't know if it's ironic, but whatever. Um, it was first published in Playboy magazine. Um, yeah, so this great, awesome movie um, was in a nudie mag when it started. Music by Howard Shore. Um, Howard Shore, you guys by now should know the name. I mean, he's done, well, let's put it this way. He's done the whole fucking Lord of the Rings trilogy, so on top of the Hobbit trilogy as well. So, if you don't know his name by now, um, shoot yourself. No, I'm kidding. Don't. I shouldn't say that at Christmas time. Fuck. People with their, you know, 
it's a depressing time to see. Trust me, I know. Like, fuck, I work retail. Ooh, I just told you that. But anyways, um, yeah, I work retail, and people suck, okay? I'm just going to put this out there right now. People fucking suck. And obviously, like, people that are close to me in my life, you know, my podcast audience and whatnot, I love all you guys. You guys are fucking amazing people. But man, there are some stupid fucking people in this world, and they come out in fucking droves at Christmas time. So, fuck stupid people. Um, moving on. <laughs> Side rant. Um, okay, so budget was between nine and fifteen million, so somewhere along there. Uh, the box office, like take back, whatever, sixty point six million. So yeah, kind of crushed it. Good job. Um, I mean, honestly, am I even going to criticize this fucking movie? Like, really? The movie's fucking amazing. I mean, yeah, it's an 80s movie, and, you know, there's always something you can poke a hole in an 80s movie, but do you really want to? 80s movies are awesome. Um, okay, so let's get through the cast. We'll do the cast really quickly here. Um, because the cast is pretty much... Okay, well, there's like, what, seven names I think I have here, eight names, whatever... You only need two. Honestly, you really only need two names in it. Maybe three, if you include John Getz. But, I mean, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis basically are the two names you need to know in this movie. Uh, Goldblum especially. But, I mean, Gina Davis obviously is, you know, she's a huge part of the movie. So you need the two of them. Um, Jeff Goldblum as Seth Brundle. Here's some names that were offered the role but declined. Imagine this. Michael Keaton. Um, no. Richard Dreyfus. I could kind of see it, but no. And Mel Gibson. Definitely not. <laughs> Thank God that didn't happen. Um, I know everyone likes Mel Gibson in his fucking, you know, Lethal Weapon movies or Mad Max movies. Personally, I'll be honest with you, I think Tom Hardy is way better in the Mad Max films than Mel Gibson. But that's me, and I'm off my own little minority over there, so whatever. I told you I have no fucking credibility. You guys know this, so... It is what it is. I like spookies. Um, okay. Uh, Gina Davis as Veronica, or Ronnie Quaife. Uh, so, names that were offered that role? Or, well, they were considered. I don't think they were actually offered. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Laura Dern. Um, yeah, glad we went with Gina Davis. Um, apparently the, ru- the reason was, uh because they wanted an unknown actress, which kind of, I guess it makes sense, but it didn't, because she was in Transylvania 6-5000 the year before. But, I mean, it is what it is. She was also in Earth Girls Are Easy, which the reason why I bring up those two movies is because they are the other two of the three that Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis did together in the 80s. So, I don't know, that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, So the other names in the cast that really I mean they're important characters but like I said you only really need to know the only like the first two uh John Getz as Stathis Borens I know I'm butchering the name um I've watched the movie a hundred times and I still can't say his fucking name right uh Joy Bushel as Tawny Leslie Carlson as Dr. Brent Cheevers George Shuvalo as Marky and David Cronenberg as Gina Davis's gynecologist in this movie. 
Um, and apparently it was Gina Davis's idea that David Cronenberg have the cameo in here. So that's kind of cool. Um, the synopsis of the film. Seth Brundle, a.k.a. Jeff Goldblum. A brilliant but eccentric scientist. Eccentric is an understatement. Attempts to woo investigative journalist Veronica Quaif by offering her a scoop on his latest research in the field of matter transportation, which against all the expectations of the scientific establishment have proved successful. Up to a point. Because... Brundle thinks he has ironed out the last problem when he successfully transports a living creature, but when he attempts to teleport himself, a fly enters in one of the transmission boots, and Brundle finds he's a changed man. The Science Gone Mad film is the source of the quotable quote, Be afraid. Be very afraid. Um, yeah. So, um... I have a lot to say about this movie. I have not so much to say about this movie. Because, quite honestly, the thing with this movie is is that the one point you cannot stress enough when you're talking about The Fly, and it's the same as when you're talking about John Carpenter's The Thing, this is what makes 80s movies so fucking amazing. Special effects. Practical effects. The fact that these people put their fucking, like, time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears into these fucking movies. This, to this day, I can watch this fucking movie and the effects still hold up. You didn't need CGI. Pure practical effects. I I can't stress it enough. Um... As a matter of fact, like, you, and you guys know, like, I, I focus a lot on, like, music. Because I like music for atmosphere. I like, if the music sets the tone or if the music, like, you know, helps uh, accentuate the film, music becomes, like, a primary focus for me. This is one of those films where it's very secondary for me. It, And I actually love the score to this film. I mean, Howard Shore is an amazing composer. But when I'm watching this, the score, like... It's there. I know it's there. It's haunting in my head and whatnot. But this is one of those movies where literally, as long as the special effects and the look and the the feel and the atmosphere is there, I there's times I don't even notice there's music playing. Um, the metamorphosis of Seth Brundle into the Brundle Fly. So I basically wrote it's horrific and mesmerizing. Um, it looks beautiful and it looks scary at the same time. And I mean, like, I, like, I'm not one, like, sometimes a lot of people will, like, put themselves into the movie. They, they, they almost, like, you know, imagine themselves being that main character. I don't do that very often. I like, I think that's why I love horror movies so much is because I sit back as, like, a total voyeur. Like, I gotta watch someone suffer. Um, <laughs> Where I know a lot of people that when they watch these films, they they watch the main characters and imagine themselves in those roles. This is one of those few times where actually when I'm watching this and I'm watching the transformation and I'm watching like the things happen on the screen that are happening to Jeff Goldblum's character or like well Seth Brundle whatever, um, yeah like it actually it's like fuck like I couldn't imagine that like what the hell like. And I mean, and and that's the thing. Like Jeff Goldblum himself, 
What can you say about his performance? I mean, he fucking sells this shit in so many ways. Yes, he's playing himself, and I know a lot of people will point that out. It's kind of like with Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, you know, his Joker is amazing. His Joker is one of the best, but he's playing himself. Yeah, I mean, I look at his Joker, I look at him as Jack Torrance, it's almost kind of the same guy. Um, I mean, but Jack brings his different swagger to the separate roles. Jeff Goldblum kind of does the same thing, but, I mean, he's still acting his ass off in this, and the payoff is, like, fucking extraordinary. And, I mean, at that time also, like, we hadn't had a lot of Jeff Goldblum when this film came out, so people didn't realize he was playing a lot of himself. I mean, as the years have gone on, now we've seen so many roles of him, and it's like, well, he's still the same guy, you know? But, um... I mean, he fucking sells it so well. And he sells it, like, especially when he's going through the transformations. Like, and, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, yeah, okay, like, obviously this shit can't happen, at least not that I know of. But, <laughs> um, but like, for for his own, like, mental creative process, like, to how he acted as if he was becoming a fly, like, it, I don't know, it, it's something else. Like, I mean... And I mean, Gina Davis, I almost feel like, like when I talk about it, that I'm like, I'm taking away from her. She is a huge part of this movie. Beetlejuice is probably always going to be my favorite Gina Davis film. Um, I also do like A League of Their Own. I know, not horror. Oh my God. Um, I like a lot of movies that aren't horror, but, um, and A League of Their Own, a chick flick. Fuck off. It is not. Tom Hanks is fucking hilarious in that movie. Um, and he's fucking awesome. But, um. But I'm talking about The Fly. I'm not talking about League of Their Own. Uh, but she does shine in this. Um, getting back to Gina Davis. She she does a fucking great job. Um, I like that she's like forceful. She's very confident in the film. Um, she's... This... Probably of... Of the three films that her and Jeff Goldblum did in the 80s together. Uh, this is probably the standout. Although I do love Transylvania 6-5000. Um, and... She's quite fucking hot in that movie too, but um, yeah, and Transylvania Six Five Thousand, like a, a movie that apparently not everyone loves. I fucking love it. I don't give a shit if people like it or not. Uh, but yeah, the the love story between Seth and Veronica uh, was actually a great surprise in this film. Um, helps to bring an extra element to the film. Uh, it brings the emotional aspect gives us a reason to care um by the end of the film actually that whole love story kind of changes the movie completely because without that love story this is just strictly a monster movie it's it's a movie of a dude turning into a fucking monster add the romantic tragedy of it all and i mean like you get the feels at the end you know like it's heartbreaking that 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 shot and i know here spoilers fuck off talking about this movie like 32 years later so fuck you with your spoilers um but i mean the 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 scene where like he's basically now become the brundle fly there is no more jeff goldblum at all um or seth brundle whatever you want to call him um when when the like basically like the claw of the the fly grabs the barrel of the gun and puts it at his head basically saying kill me i I, i'm i'm nothing now it's like 
fuck. Like, that, it, it's pretty brutal. Like, I mean, and it's very heartbreaking. I mean, I'll be honest. I remember the first time that I actually, like, saw this film. Uh, tears. Uh, there were some feels there, you know? Like, it was like, fuck. Like, I'm watching this woman kill this monster, and it's fucking... It's killing my heart right now, you know? So, it, it's, it's one of those things. Like, very well done. And, and a lot of that goes to the acting. A lot of that goes to the writing. Um... I, fuck, probably one of my favorite scenes was also the most cringeworthy scene <laughs> when I was younger, uh, the arm wrestling match, when, when he breaks that guy's arm, like, basically in half. I remember when I was younger, like, that actually got to me, and not many films, like, get to me in terms of, like, special effects, because I watch it going, well, that was really cool. Um, that was one where I remember when it happened, I was like, ah, oh, fuck, that would hurt. Um... So, yeah, I, you know, it, this movie had a lot of firsts for me when I saw it. I mean, it was one of the first horror films that actually got me emotionally. Um, it was one of the first films to make me cringe, like, for something I saw on the screen. Because, like, like I said, like, a, a lot of the times I approach these movies that I just want to see the special effects. I want to see how they do these things. Um, and this was one of those times where it was like, whoa, fuck. Like, I, it actually made me cringe. Good job. Um... So a little uh, a little sidetrack to about the movie that um, I only recently found out about this maybe in the last couple of years uh, I'd never actually really thought about it um, according to some theorists and fans uh, the metamorphosis of Seth into the Brundlefly was a slight metaphor to the AIDS awareness of the era and it's funny because when I when I tell you about what David Cronenberg's approach was that's how I perceived it. But apparently, a lot of people felt that this was um, an AIDS awareness thing because it was the it was the huge thing of the times. I mean, in in the mid to late '80s, AIDS was like the big, basically medical scare. Um, you know, the media was pushing it like left, right, and center, pointing out everybody who had AIDS and HIV, and you know they, you know, putting a huge fear in the public over it and whatnot. I mean, not that it don't get me wrong, it's not that it's not a bad illness, but it's horrible, but I mean, the, the, the media was really pushing it at the time, and so there's a lot of people who felt that this movie was, a, a, you know, a metaphor for that. David Cronenberg, on the other hand, felt that, you know, his movie was originally more intended to be a just a general analogy for disease, like any kind of disease, whether it whether it's, you know, cancer or you know, lupus or leprosy or, you know, whatever, like, kind of, um, you know, and I say the lupus thing because it's a house reference, but whatever. Um, like, he, he more looked at it like the aging process, like going from youth to, you know, elderly and whatnot. And that's kind of how I took it, you know. Like, I didn't actually think about the AIDS reference until I was reading up online about it, and I'm like, oh, it makes sense. I mean, I get it. I can totally see where people came from with that, but I always kind of looked at it the same way that David Cronenberg intended it, which is it's just showing, like, disease, how it starts off small and, you know, grows large and eventually kills you. Um, or, the, like he said, the aging process as well, like, you know, going from, you know, infant to elderly, you know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, uh, Again, uh, before I, I, I go on with ratings and close this up for the week, 
Uh, I just want to say, you know, the special effects in this, it, it right up there with John Carpenter's The Thing. I mean, you just, you can't, it, they don't get better than this, you know what I mean? And this is something that's missing from cinema these days. Well, I shouldn't say that because there is a lot more of a resurgence within the past, I'd say, 5-10 years. But there's still so many movies using too much CGI, and it's it's a bummer because I get it. CGI is a lot easier. You know, you get these computer tech guys, and they come in and they make things look all polished and beautiful. But it's like I, I, you know, I was talking with a friend a couple days ago about like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. One thing that I've always loved about TCM is the grainy look, the the beaten down look. I like the older look, like my VHS copy of it is like it's beaten up it's got the lines through it and whatnot and it looks worn in it looks like it's an older film and i like that and i know that the 40th anniversary they polished it up and tried to make it look like it came out yesterday that's the kind of shit that actually bothers me and i know it's a debate that goes back and forth everybody you know some people like it some people don't Uh, myself personally you give me a movie that looks like it's beaten up and been around the block for a while i will enjoy it more because for me that's it's an added element to the film um the fly when i watch this movie and i do have like a remastered copy it's the double dvd or whatever so i mean it, it looks nice and polished up and whatnot but it still has that 80s feel to it that 80s look and i that's what i absolutely love about it um, IMDb rates this at a 7.5 out of 10. I think that is fucking robbery. <laughs> I'm like 7.5. I mean, don't get me wrong. IMDb, that's a, that's a decent fucking rating, but it's like, really? Not even an eight? Like, ugh. uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 91% approval rating. Yeah, that, that makes more fucking sense. Um, Gene Siskel himself even named The Fly as like his 10th best film of 1986, which coming from Gene Siskel, that's pretty fucking good, because he can be a cocksucker when he wanted to be um, past tense. Anyways, uh, my rating, my rating, I, I know I could do the double rating thing, you know, whatever. I, I just decided, you know what, just give a fucking number. Uh, 8.5 to 9 out of 10. Um, hands down it's fucking i love this fucking movie like there was gonna be no criticisms this week um over the span of the next three weeks you might notice a few criticisms christmas horror movies as much as i love them they're not that good (laughs) some of them are pretty fucking brutal so it'll be interesting to see but uh this week yeah total love for this movie 8.5 to 9 i i let fuck it let's just say it's 9 it's a 9 out of 10 it's an almost perfect film uh, probably John Carpenter's The Thing a little bit better for me than this, but whatever, it is what it is. Um, and that's that. Uh, a quick episode this week. Like I said, th- th- I'm extremely fucking pissed off. I should have had everything running by this week, and Canada Post is holding my fucking parts at the distri- distribution center in Ottawa because they're fucking cocksuckers, so fuck you and your strike um i don't care like they're like oh we're fighting for this and that you know i don't give a shit there are so many people that work such shittier jobs than you and get paid a lot fucking worse and you know what 
fuck off with your strikes. I, sometimes I agree with them, sometimes I don't. Don't don't fucking strike at Christmas time, man. Like people are counting on that shit, and there are some people that Christmas is really fucking important to them. So uh, myself personally, I just like the killer Santas and the fucking little green men that terrorize Kingston Falls, USA. But it is what it is. Thank you for listening this week, guys. Um, hopefully the sound quality hasn't been too fucking horrible. Uh, and like I said, hopefully within the next week or two, I can have this rectified and we can have the podcast sounding as beautiful as it used to. Uh, so social media is where the podcast can be found. I'll tell you what next week's movie is. And then we sign off. So next level radio online.com slash podcast zero. That is the home of the podcast. You guys know this by now next level radio, um, we just got a new uh, podcast added to the, uh, well, I think they're at episode three now, being that I'm a little behind the times, but uh, Thoughts with T&B. Uh, they, it's a new podcast, and apparently it's uh, a podcast about anything. They pick a topic and they talk about it. So, you know, feel free to check that out uh, through Next Level Radio. And uh, on top of all the other podcasts, such as like Caffeine Crew, DC Primetime, um, Contalk, uh, Melting Pat, Two Fat Dudes, um, Oyster Mill, and this one, obviously, What Lurks Behind, Podcast Fucking Zero. Uh, <laughs> uh, what Lurks Behind Podcast Zero.com. I know, I have neglected that as well. Like I said, it's November was a shitty month, and I'm really hoping December is a lot fucking better. Uh, let's go back to the way October was, because October was a fucking great month. Of course it's great. Starts off with my birthday, ends with Halloween. How the fuck? You can't get better than that. Um, alright, Facebook, the book of face. The, yeah, I fucking hate Facebook. But anyways, whatever. Facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero. And yeah, I know, for those of you who follow the Facebook page and you're like, you haven't done any videos lately of, you know, films that were, I know, I, I'm a fucking asshole, okay? I'm a slacker and you know what? Just tell me to fuck off and go suck some dicks or whatever. Fuck, I don't care. I know, I'm an asshole. Instagram, I know, I've neglected that too. Just kick me right in the fucking nuts. Instagram.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero if you're on your computer anyways. Uh, if not, it's just, you know, go follow what lurks behind podcast zero. Uh, on Twitter, WLB podcast underscore zero. I actually think I probably use Twitter more than I have Instagram lately. How fucking bad is that? And along with iTunes and Google, the podcast can now be found on Spotify. Spotify is probably wondering, what the fuck? We added your podcast. You haven't recorded shit. You're a cocksucker. Whatever. Um, yeah, so that's that. I need to just shut up and let you guys go back to your normal lives. But thank you for tuning in this week, guys. You guys are fucking amazing. I'm really, really, really sorry it's taken me so long to record a goddamn episode, especially when it was supposed to be just, you know, episode 33, The Fly. It was supposed to be like the second week of November that I was going to release this. And it's the first weekend of December. I'm an asshole. Deal with it. Okay, so, closing track. I'm going to play a track off the Atreyu album because I love it so much. Um, Actually, like, I've been listening to a lot of music lately and not a lot of podcasts. Sorry to all those podcasts I normally listen to. I needed a break. 
Like I said, November sucked. Yay for December. Killer elves, killer Christmas trees. Watch, oh yeah, there you go. There's another recommendation for you. Go on YouTube and watch the short short film Treevenge. Seriously, it's fucking hilarious. It's like a really weird start, but then like the last like five to ten, five, no, let's see, five to, let's say seven minutes. Um, It's so fucking worth it. Oh my God, it's awesome. Anyways, so we're going to close out with a song by Atreyu, uh, Nothing Will Ever Change. I felt that way, because honestly, even though I was gone for a month, nothing will ever change. I will always be part of this podcast. I will always give you guys content. It's just, November sucked. That should be like the the subtitle of this week's episode, is November sucked. Um, Yeah, suck like a fly. Um, Except a fly didn't suck. Okay, shutting up now. I will be back next week. I promise. I better stick to that promise, right? Um, anyways, alright, you guys have a good one, and... Oh, yeah, I guess I should tell you what next week's movie is. Wow! I'm, like, way off my game. Um, okay, so... Technically, there's three films that really stand out at Christmas time. Now, two of them I'm definitely doing. One, I'm still undecided. Because I don't know if I want to do one of the more recent films that's coming out, or if I want to do a classic. So, next week, we're going to go with a classic. Um, and I really, I, I was trying to juggle where I want to put these episodes. Next week will be the Lewis Jackson classic. And when I say classic, I use that term very loosely. Christmas Evil. That's next week's episode. And now I leave you to Atreyu and I'm going to shut the fuck up. Ciao for now, guys.